the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Why can't conservatives and liberals just get along? They can. Welcome to The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us. It's Thursday, practice Friday here on The Morning Answer. That's a very happy and chipper looking uh, and handsome Brian Whitman right over there. I'm looking uh, at you. Socially over statements for 500, Alex, to start a Thursday. No, you look kind of <laughs> smiley and sparkly today, well, just I'm, like I, I like I, you. I, thank you. I feel good today. I had a nice night of rest and I feel great. Good. Well, look at you. And Bragger. you look beautiful, by the way, with your pretty hair. Do you ever want to tell the story about your hair change going back? Uh, maybe we'll save that for some time this morning, uh, right before the end of the broadcast. So you have to be with us on The Morning Answer like for a Thursday. That is a big tease. I, and no part, pardon the pun, with the little hair oh, humor. Right, with the hair. Right. See, I don't, any of these hair terms, I don't know any of these. Yeah, tease. That's right. I, I used to. I understand. Okay. Now I just tease you. Well, there is no tease. Well, maybe there's the biggest tease of all going on in Georgia. It seems like, who knew, who would have predicted a year ago at this time, maybe even a month ago at this time, mm-hmm. that all eyes would be on Georgia right now, not only for the presidential race, but also for the division, the balance of power in the United States Senate. Let's start with the presidency first. Georgia yesterday, I think actually while we were on the air, said that they would do a full hand recount of the presidential election results. Now, this is significant because there's a lot. And I want to share with you something I found out yesterday, literally to blow your mind, about some of the voting machines and some of the systems Mm. that uh, they're using and that are being contested in parts of the country. Georgia Secretary of State yesterday announced an audit of presidential election results. He said it will be a full hand tally of ballots. Now they have to hurry because Georgia has to certify their election results by November the 20th. So uh, they've got to get to counting. Yesterday, the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, said this. At 1 p.m. today, I will make the official designation of which race will be the subject of the RLA. At that time, I will designate that the RLA will be the presidential race. With the margin being so close, it will require a full by-hand recount in each county. This will help build confidence. It will be an audit, a recount, and a re-canvas all at once. It will be a heavy lift, but we will work with the counties to get this done in time for our state certification. Many of these workers will be working plenty of overtime. We have all worked hard to bring fair and accurate counts to assure that the will of the voters is reflected in the final count and that every voter will have confidence in the outcome. That yesterday is Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. State law there, it's interesting, requires an audit uh, when the margin is so tight in an election in the state of Georgia. But the top elections official, and that's the man we just heard, 
he chooses the race to recount. And obviously, they do have two U.S. Senate races going on, but the presidency is critical. Update with 99%, this according to Associated Press, which, by the way, the AP has not called the state of Georgia. They have called the presidency for Joseph Biden, but not the state of Georgia. 99% is AP's tally, and there's 16 electoral votes up for grabs in Georgia. The former vice president with 49.5%, listen to this margin, 49.5%, that's 2,471,000 votes. President Trump, 49.2%, three-tenths of one percentage point. The president, 2,457,000 votes in Georgia counted right now with uh, a recount by hand, and they take a while coming up. And the reason this is important is because, uh, again, the media has called the election, by and large, for for Joe Biden. There are a few outlets who have not yet called the presidential race. Real Clear Politics is uh, one of them. There are others. Certainly more have called the race for Joe Biden. But we know that to officially call a race, you have to have the vote certified. And so President Trump's challenge when people go, how is he doing this and what is the strategy? The strategy is that President Trump needs Georgia, North Carolina and Arizona. He needs two of those three. And he needs either Pennsylvania, Wisconsin or Michigan to go to his comps. This is why it's important for the president, because in Georgia, if the hand count does reveal something, then that is a state that he would absolutely need to move forward. And that's why there's so much attention being paid there, because if you look at the kind of the top, the top half of the country and the bottom half, that's that's sort of what he needs to to turn this thing around. Right. Yeah. uh, I know you have something to blow our minds, as you said, which uh, we'll hear in a moment. Morning answer. I. Since you brought this up, this morning the Associated Press has uh, actually a couple of mornings ago printed what they call an explainer. And that's uh, they'll title a feature called an explainer. And it's why we, the Associated Press, called the 2020 election for Joe Biden. And they say pretty simply uh, the questions rather where he would win, when it would happen and by how much, referring to a path to 270 uh, for President Trump and whether it became, in their, in their estimation, their math, mathematically impossible. I'll quote the AP. On Saturday, Biden captured the presidency when the AP declared him the victor in Pennsylvania. That got him 20 electoral votes, pushing him over the 270. They write, and I'll conclude with this, it was the final piece to fall into place after the former vice president carved a path. I mean, you and I spoke so much about those different paths to the White House by recapturing the Democrat blue wall, a trio of Great Lakes states. That's Pennsylvania, Wisconsin and Michigan. That's the AP explaining why they called it. I think it's interesting for many folks who wonder why they do that and what. Right. What what how they quantify the, the decision. And uh, so here's what here's some of the, the claims that we've heard from the Trump administration. And I had a conversation yesterday, not with anyone who is uh, political working for the campaign. I actually you may know some of you may know if you're listening on AM 870 right now I, and AM 590. I am blessed to do the morning answer with you, Brian Whitman, every day on AM 590. The answer, I have another work husband, Don Dix, and we host the Jen and Don show on AM 590. The answer as Don's well. Don's terrific. And that program is on at six o'clock. Five six, o'clock. Yes, yeah, six p.m. Six. in the mor- in the evening and five a.m. it reruns again 5 a.m. a.m. in the morning right exactly it's the opener so yesterday we had Linda Linda Payne who I've talked to you about before she's great and it was so great I talked to her I said I've got to get you back on the morning answer to talk to Brian because I would love to hear just I'd love for you to hear this firsthand but I'm going to do my best to repeat what she told me because she's from the Election Integrity Project in California but because of where we are geographically right now in the election issues she's expanded her effort uh, kind of under Monitor. emergency scenarios in Nevada and Arizona. So okay, she's handling so reports of irregularities from California, Nevada, Arizona. Now, there are 
instances, Linda believes in voter fraud. She believes in irregularity. She believes in it in every election. And I think we all should, if we're honest. It's to what extent and is it enough to, to flip elections, I think, is, is kind of what's being debated right now. But what she said, have you been hearing about the Dominion voting system? Yeah, you and I talked about uh, that earlier this week, and it was the first time I'd heard that term was from you. Right, and it's the first time I've literally that I've paid attention to it. There's some new terms coming out here. So the Dominion voting system, if you're in Ventura County, you used it. I asked her about L.A. County. Basically, it's anybody who votes on the thing that looks like the iPad. So the new electronic company. Dominion is a company, and they have territory. I think they're in 27 states and Mm. hundreds of counties where this system is used. And so a lot of people have been questioning questioning the Dominion counting system because in Michigan there was a big error that from Dominion there've been there's been a, a lot of co- there's been a lot of controversy around yes. them Questions. and so we were talking about it and she said here's what I take issue with first of all Dominion is allowed to set parameters and they're allowed to add algorithms to how votes are tallied and it's be, it's able to be dictated by the people that Dominion is contracting with that's number 1 Number two, and this If was, that's true, that's ridiculous. This is what was stunning to me, and this is absolutely true. After Dominion counts the votes, right, after the system comes up with the result, the report is sent to Dominion, and then Dominion sends it to whoever they have contracted with, whether that's a county or a state or a right. municipality. So the, the obvious uh, on the surface problem there would be why would the information go back to, to the company who then, determ- who then forwards – that's what I can say, right, uh, to the state. But if that company is under contract, I mean, this, uh, 50 different states and, and so many counties in America where the Dominion uh, system, the computerized voting system, and we're talking about these algorithms now that are present, according to Linda Payne. And, Jennifer, this is very compelling information to hear. Uh, if, if they're under contract with the state, well, then the state would trust them to be able to uh, – receive the votes when when the voter cast it on their system and then to have them in their in their gigantic hard drives and then to forward them i mean it's i mean we, the question we are, is should they and the i mean look the, this is i think what is uh, what is really kind of ridiculous we if we want integrity for our elections i think it should be the county and the municipalities that are figuring out how to count their votes I don't right now with that. we're sending reports so they never even get the tallies they're getting a report sent to them after these dominion machines actually make the count and there can be subject to, to, again, parameters and algorithms about how things are counted, how positioning on the ballot. So if one person is in the first position and another person is in the second position, it will read that instead of the candidate name. If that gets flipped around in printing errors, I mean, there's all sorts of things that can happen. But get this. This is not even an American company. This is a company that is based – There's. It's. it comes from Serbia and Canada. These. This is a Serbian – Serbus is the, is the mm-hmm. umbrella company and a Canadian company. So I asked her, I said, in L.A. County where we both vote, do we – is that a Dominion system? She said, no, L.A. County has actually contracted out to a company – do you know where? I, I don't know. Venezuela. Now, if we have shouted about foreign election interference, what in the world are we doing not using American companies to keep better control of our voting systems? This is so beyond Trump and Biden for me right now. This is about what are we doing as a country to ensure that our elections are not political chess games. It's pretty I just crazy. asked a fair question, and, and please, for you, uh, I wonder if there's evidence of those on, who build these companies and operate them having some sort of bias against certain candidates. That would really be the missing link. Funny it? you should ask, and I'll tell you what she said, Linda Payne, the election integrity 
Project. I talked to her yesterday as your Thursday morning answer continues. Waging the battle against fake news every morning. This is the Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us. It's Practice Friday here on The Morning Answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn, and uh, I was just sharing with Brian uh, before our break about uh, a company I learned about from Linda Payne. She's the president of the Election Integrity Project, California, but she has been uh, getting all – she's been really filtering through a lot of reports of voter fraud and irregularity in Nevada and Arizona as well because of the – just what's happening, what's blowing up around the country. Is it fair to say about Linda that she's a conservative-minded, politically-thinking person? Um, I don't even know if she would tell you. But, I, I mean, I would guess that's true. But I don't think that the her the intent of that organization is not about necessarily political will. It's more about the process. So I would say... You know, maybe just because I've talked to her a little bit off the air, but okay, I feel right. like I, I feel like she tries to sure. her main focus is about a fair and free election. Truly, you'll and talk I, to her I, and she lives and breathes this stuff. Understood. And I've always said to be consistent, you know, so for journalists, nobody can believe anything. I mean, people, professionals, people, persons should be trusted to have a political belief and not let it interfere with their job. Our reporters have trouble doing that sometimes. These days, uh, certainly, I know. You mentioned Nevada. And that also, uh, the president is down by a little more than fourteen thousand, a little more than fourteen thousand votes. That's mm-hmm. the margin in Georgia, where, as we mentioned, a full hand recount is on the way. That was uh, announced by the Secretary of State there yesterday. How are things in Nevada, which uh, used to seem easier to predict? Well, it was very close, and now I think, and forgive me, I have to look at the tie. I think it was like forty thousand votes or sixty thousand votes separating the candidates in Nevada. Yes. Let's see if we can. And then, of course, we have our local congressional races. Changing every single day. That's what's so difficult about keeping track. So they're separated now by – it's 47.5 to 50.3, and it's 36,000 votes that separates them. Okay. And that's in Nevada. Now, there have been a lot of – they use Dominion in Nevada. They use Dominion in Arizona. Dominion is a company that if you look at – the voting systems throughout the country, and you see someone using what looks like an iPad to vote, typically that's a Dominion system. Now, in L.A. County, we use something called Smarttronic. That system is actually proprietary to L.A. County. It was used in the Venezuelan elections because it's a Venezuelan country that actually, or a company that has um, created this for L.A. County, which I think in and of itself, again, if there's not one bit of voter fraud, the fact that we are not protecting our elections using American workers and American companies, I think, is really leaving ourselves open, especially after we complained about Russia collusion and Chinese interference and Iranian interference. How in the world do we do in good conscience make deals with companies from outside the country? I, I don't know. It's, be- but the it's truth beyond is- me. But the, uh, I appreciate the point. The The truth is that even in the aftermath of Election Day, which, of course, was a week ago, Tuesday, nine days ago here now on a Thursday with Brian and Jennifer, there was a great criticism. There still is uh, being heard and being broadcast callers to our program talking about the poll workers who are all American people. They live in their citizens of this country, many of whom volunteer their time, many of whom some are paid. Sure. But uh, but there seems to not be trust of them either. The president talks of, uh, you know, ballots at the bottom of rivers, et cetera. That's why I really think it's important for us to consider 
making sure we have a paper ballot. And uh, as many of you know who voted on those iPad devices, you get a paper ballot, but then you have to reinsert it back into the machine, and that's where it's kept. So the state gets to have a copy of your ballot. Wouldn't it be nice if you were able to mark those things down, look at them, submit your ballot? I feel like it just adds an extra layer of protection. It does. Uh, I would agree with you. And after 2000, the dispute in Florida, five hundred thirty, the dispute over the presidency between Former President George W. Bush, then governor and and then Vice President Al Gore, 537 votes. There was much talk about reforming how we do elections and whether or not we have federal uniformity. And this so-called ATM-style voting, which Dominion Voting Systems, because they do in Ventura but not here in L.A., I'm looking at um, an image of it. You're right, Jennifer. It does exactly – it looks a little bit bigger, more narrow and longer than the typical iPad. Yeah, like a TV screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like on a on a little uh, mini tripod, and it balances, and it's touch screen, ready to cast your vote, yes, and it just flips to the next page and the next page. I grew up putting a stylus, or in New York, with a machine where you click it down, and then you throw a giant lever, and it goes... Oh, see, I would like that. And you would like it, because it really yeah. feels like you've cast a mighty vote, whether you voted for Mondale or not, and he right. was going to lose 49. It went, feels like whatever Phew. you did was important. <laughs> and then everything you clicked goes back to the neutral position. And like you feel, oh, wow, there it just got added. Yeah. And that's kind of a tactile thing. I don't a, even mind the little dabbers. I, I do understand I the hanging chads. I mean, I don't know. I've We've done that here in L.A. County. I've had the, the you know, the puncher, the basically. Stylus. Right. But, I've always checked my ballot, though, because I'm OCD, number too. one. It's a mental <laughs> health problem. But to make sure that all the numbers, I'm staying there for five minutes. I look crazy, I know, but whatever. You asked, now, you asked a really important question. Wouldn't it be interesting if we knew if there was someone with political bias that actually actually has access to these companies, maybe sits on a board, it has a board position or invests in these companies. Now, I have done some digging around because Linda had said that she was under the impression, Linda Payne, and she has it on good authority, that Nancy Pelosi's husband and Dianne Feinstein's husband, who we know are investors, Dianne Feinstein's husband owns the contract for the bullet train, are investors in the Dominion system. But a name that may surprise you, And this is where I've actually found the most teeth and connection. Vince Foster. Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle. Okay, the former vice president of the United States. Living now in Arizona, by the way, if that means anything. Yeah, so kind of interesting. Now, you dig around and you see that the Washington Post a couple of days ago tried to debunk the fact that Pelosi's husband and Feinstein's husband were involved. But if you start digging around, you realize that there's so many different companies that actually invest in Dominion. They call them webs, that it's really hard to see who actually is sitting on that board of directors. So that concerns me Less, even though if there were any direct proof, I would be all over this. But what concerns me more is that we've allowed uh, foreign influence into our elections, number one. And number two, primarily with the Dominion system, that those results are going to someone at Dominion before being being given to uh, those people who contract with them at the state, the county, the local level. And I think that is a travesty. It's something that, again, whether it changes who sits in the White House or not, I'm telling you this as an American citizen, not as a Trump supporter, a Republican, or anybody else. This is something we need to address moving forward, because if you imagine the chaos that happens this year, it's going to get 10 times worse in 2022. It's going to get 20 times worse in 2024. This is going to be an ongoing problem unless we solve it right now. You call it a travesty, Jen, and I, I understand the I understand the frustration. I understand, by the way, the it feels like it might be uh, a, a one step too many out of the control of the government's responsibility, the state officials, elections boards' responsibility to count votes. 
But this is certainly not the first example of the government contracting with outside companies, and some very outside internationally, to provide services uh, or, or, or product or goods, et cetera, technology to this the U.S. This is just the sanctity of our vote, though. And I guess here's the thing. It's, I, I feel ashamed of myself today. I feel ashamed of myself that it took this election for me to open my eyes to this. It's something I've never questioned ever, ever, ever in the past. And it bothers me. Even if it would have flipped outcomes in 2016, if it would have flipped out, I I am ashamed that we don't investigate this. And I've got to tell you, I'm ashamed of the news media for not picking up on a story like this and and making it, giving it the attention that it needs. This is for, this is potential foreign interference with really direct evidence into our election instead of just a story about Russian collusion that was debunked a few months in. I mean, it's just... it's insane. Yeah, please. But so I'm hearing this correctly, that really the only um, ultimate evidence from, from Linda's organization is that these the Dominion voting systems are made in a foreign country. No, I mean, there it's is... the reporting. That's the thing that people are taking issue with. So, well, yes, it's, it's, number one, it's made in a foreign country. Yes. And it's the reporting of the computer systems to the state. Don't go uh, to the register. They don't go to the secretary of state. They to... don't go to the board of education. They go to right. the board of elections. They go to Dominion. And then those reports are not even giving – they don't even give them the tallies. They give them – a summary, a report, and that is how we are determining our elections. Now, we have something going on right now at Salem all throughout the country. All of our Salem radio stations are participating in a Verify the Election campaign. It's happening right now. You'll hear about it all day long on AM 870, AM 590, The Answer. Go to our website. Do it right now. I'm looking at it. I've already signed up, am870theanswer.com. Right at the top, you'll see Verify the Election. Sign the petition. Sign that petition. Put your name and zip code on there so that we can fight to make sure that this election is uh, free, fair, and verified. We ask for your help in that, and we thank you in advance because it's important. It should be important to all of us, no matter where we stand politically. California lawmaker making a big uh, legislation introduction. This may influence... Well, your state of mind over the next couple of years here in California. Azure Thursday, Morning Answer continues. The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Jen is the conservative crusader. Brian is our lovable liberal. Welcome to The Answer. Thanks for joining us. It is The Morning Answer for a Thursday. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn. And by the way, many people don't know, but Brian, you know, he always pretends he lives in Glendale, but he actually lives in Funky Town. Yeah, people um, don't know. Well, I try not to make it public because uh, I live there with, um, well, Pat Boone used to live there. He was one of my neighbors. <laughs> and uh, John Davidson, uh, we all live in Funky Town. And uh, Dennis Prager and I, we all live in Funky it's a, it's a Town. And I keep community. begging. I say, Brian, won't you take no. me to Funky Town? Well, you actually say, take me down to Funky Town. Of course. And, and I say, well, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't go, you know. We don't. But you, you gotta 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 me. keep moving when you get there because sometimes you can get busy. You know what I mean? But you can. That's what it's all about, I think, in Funky Town. <laughs> That's it. It's all about this morning. By the way, notices you were out there this morning, Jennifer, and all of our morning answer. Uh, Team members here, wonderful folks, and if you're up early, 6 o'clock club member, little bit, degree or two warmer than yesterday and the day before, but it's still going to be cold today, high of only 68. The sun will shine by Sunday. It's going to be about 
Eh, 82, 83, so it's going to warm up. But this is the time of year where my my claws and I don't get along because you can't just put away the warm weather stuff. You can't put away the cold weather stuff. It's like you're in this transition. It's very. I don't know if it's a guy. Oh, transition is it peaceful transition of wardrobe? Uh, Not no. No, They're warring factions. No, no, it's not exactly. I'm doing a recount on my sweaters. (laughs) Yeah, Whitman, real smart, real real bright. Uh, Maybe it's a guy thing. My war is the same. It's I have the same clothes for the same. It's just I put more of them on when it's cold like this. I know. Right now you have like. 14 shirts on, which is a strange look. I have two shirts. Well, no, I always have whatever I always have. A California lawmaker who, uh, by the way, I think is our wackiest, farthest left. And this is saying something, by the way. If I'm going to actually award someone for being the craziest leftist in the state, um, especially the state of California, which is going to be renamed the state of insanity pretty soon, Scott Weiner takes the bill. Scott Weiner and the award for craziest leftist in California. I believe it's a living Delta smelt forever in a in a, in a neutralized water fishbowl. He's out of the Caesar of, salad, that's yes, for sure. Very, it's very it's a it's a, actually a tear jerking ceremony when they give that award out. But don't forget, it was State Senator Weiner who just made it legal for older men to uh, go after young men. It's perfectly legal for. Remember that story about that? Yeah, that, that's a crazy that's craziness. We talked about that. So he's really out there. Well, he's got a new plan for us here in new California. Plan, right. Maybe look, I always tell you, I'm conservative and I'm a Republican. There's a little bit of libertarian in me when it comes to certain things, but I think there's something more. At play what here. problem does Mr. Scott Weiner? He wants to. Be to confused. Uh, yes, tell me. You might like this because this might be kind of a Whitman. Okay, he wants okay. to de- he wants to decriminalize the possession of magic mushrooms and other psychedelic drugs. Now, he wants to ratchet down the war on drugs. He doesn't want to uh, put people in jail for this. And I, look, I understand. I would rather the police go after people who are, who are killing others, who are robbing people, but they're not allowed to do that anymore. So, um, Since they have free time, why not go uh, reignite the war on drugs? But, you know, your point, a lot of very prominent conservative-minded political thinkers are against the so-called, as was termed under the late President Reagan's administration, war on drugs. Many support decriminalization. We're talking about psychedelic drugs here with magic mushrooms. And uh, I guess the issue becomes, well, for me, with respect to others, uh, you determine which drugs or substances or mushrooms or what or marijuana to decriminalize based on the effects, I would assume all would think that the that the drug had – to what extent does it alter the user, right. I think, is really the public safety issue, right? Well, I, yeah, for sure. How does it alter the user? Does it put other people around him at risk? But here's what the greater thing – I really feel like this is it. And truly, if you make magic mushrooms legal tomorrow – I've never done them. I've only eaten mushrooms, like you know, portobellas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which, which portobellos? Are, uh, yeah, they're <laughs> very right. nice on, on the a baby pizza bellas. Some, yeah. Sometimes I'll get mushrooms. Uh, I don't. Uh, I've gone, gone to some questionable pizzerias. I can tell you that. Back in New York, I, you know, you order the mushrooms. I'm kidding. Yeah, but Brian, you've called me a Pollyanna, and you're absolutely right. When it comes to drugs, I am a total Pollyanna. So you I'll are. admit this. But what I feel like the effort is here in the state, with all of these legalizations and with the. It's to distract us. It is to get people thinking about other things aside from what we should really be focusing on. And maybe I sound like a nut. No, it's a good point because if they decriminalize psychedelic drugs, they'll really distract you if you try them. That's what I mean. Those mushrooms will really distract you. You'll be on a little trip and people will be destroying your country. So when you come back, there won't be much to come back to. You won't even know. And and you might not even be afraid of the people destroying the country. You might be afraid of like a little squirrel on the front (laughs) lawn, which might look like Godzilla all of a sudden. In all seriousness, though. But I've heard. I feel 
like it's a great distraction. 855-785-8255. 855-785-8255. Old Scott Wiener says any substance can be harmful. So I'm not suggesting that anything is like Nirvana. Booch, by the way, I love this. Wiener, who said he doesn't personally take psychedelics, told the San Francisco Chronicle, <laughs> we know psychedelics can be used safely. We know they appear to have significant medicinal uses. Magic mushrooms, touted as consciousness-expanding drugs in the 1960s, have been used in religious or spiritual practices in some cultures, and that is one of the reasons why Scott Wiener says that they should be legal. Wiener. Wiener. By the way, he mentions Nirvana. You, Forgive me, Scott Weiner, spelled the same way, I believe, is the lead singer of Stone Temple Pie. It's not the same guy, is it? I don't think so. The medicinal, I believe that's true. The, the, they're not the same person. I know they're not. The medicinal property in, I guess this is what you have to do now to a government, to a state, in, in is prove medicinal properties to to anything. And by the way, I'm an, I am an all, I'm a freedom person. It's your body. Uh, don't, you can't hurt anyone else, though. Uh, here's the, th- or you can't be under an effect where you could be driving or doing anything else that might hurt someone. I can't pronounce the the uh, the thing the substance inside magic mushrooms, but some researchers believe that it and other drugs show promise in treating depression, anxiety, which are two big post-COVID symptoms. A big report yesterday, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, but you here's think it the, does? Here's the thing. I know. In, I know for a few hours it might. Well, well maybe just, not. Okay, no, but that's just it. So, all right. So people are depressed and anxious. I am. Someone who suffers with anxiety. Understood. Really severely for a long time. And Understood. I try to get under control on all of that. It, with, I'm know, a great person to hang around when that's your <laughs> Believe me, I just go, you know what? My anxiety flies away. I'm like, oh, look at women. I'm totally fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, uh, you are here. Look. Uh, oh, yeah. No. Uh, right. But I just bad. believe <laughs> that medicine really can kind of mask those problems and kind of make things worse. And I think with something like mushrooms, it's a temporary fix, right? Because, it, and again, I haven't done it, so I would have to ask someone who has. Okay. And, I did it in college. Okay. So no, this, I didn't do no, it in college. Well, then. I didn't do it in college, but I've had one experience with okay. one of these psychedelics. So answer this question for me because it's serious. When and I'm it, being serious. I'm just being honest, folks. And you also know ago. depression and anxiety. Okay. Oh, so like, if you're, I know like the back of my hand. So if you're depressed and you're yeah. anxious and you go, yeah. okay, someone says that the long-term treatment of magic mushrooms is going to help me. Okay, fine. I take it. It's a temporary fix that removes you from reality for a short amount of time. But I would imagine when you come back to reality, your depression and your anxiety is still there and maybe worse because you're yes. engaging in illegal substance. I'm not I'm not at all being cavalier. I'm not at all being funny. I want to take this moment to tell people who are hearing this broadcast and moms and dads and junior morning answer listeners, it's the wrong, it's the worst decision you can make for yourself. Take it from Uncle Brian here. Nancy Reagan, the former first lady, said, just say no. And I know that sounds like, oh, well, what do I do after that? And I understand that. Uh, it's it can be hard with peer pressure, but really, truly make another decision. And I can uh, and if you ever call me, I'll tell you all about that decision and the bad things. Now, this is uh, this psychedelic drugs. What can happen one time? Well, there was one time in my life. You talk about the anxiety and the and the anxiousness. Oddly enough, with the magic mushrooms, I don't know exactly what that means that during that in you're anxious. anxious. Someone, yes, you're very. You can that's, be very. See, anxious. that's what I would imagine. People get too. very afraid and terrified. It would seem to me, in some cases, it would exacerbate depression and anxiety for the several hour long effect or whatever it might be. And psychosis is one of these things. I don't know. I and just, that stuff happens when I people are on that. Of course, I have a lot of questions about that about people's well being. And if it really got to it, there is the right to try. So you'd be able to use that as an excuse to try to 
to to look for treatment for something that's more serious. All right, as we continue, is a prominent Republican already making a plan for a 2024 run? We'll tell you who that might be as your Thursday morning answer continues. Every morning, breaking news and talk you can trust. This is The Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horan. Thanks for joining us on your Thursday morning answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn. We're talking about legalizing magic mushrooms a few moments ago. One of the test patients for the new Pfizer COVID vaccine treatment. Yeah, it says 90% effective rate in the yeah. first uh, phase, right, of the trials and whatnot. And now you have to roll it out in a really special way. It has to be kept at 80 degrees below zero. Uh, and uh, it has not yet been. Uh, it's not for the consumer. I'm being serious. It's for the people who are developing it. It's right? for the people who have to administer it. So that's oh. one of the challenges in rolling it out. You know, a lot of people are flipping out about the idea that the military would deploy it. Well, military may need to deploy it because it needs to be kept under certain yeah, conditions. Otherwise, it loses its effectiveness. But this test case guy, the guy who was a part of the, the trial. Clinical trial, right. He was describing the side effects because there are with vaccine side effects. We know that there can be people can have reaction to the shingles vaccine, to the pneumonia vaccine, with the flu shots. Even every year, sometimes people have symptoms of the flu after they get the shot. And the reason for clinical trials and there there is actually research Scotland. It's a, not a, I don't do that conspiracy. There was a very was a disaster there once clinical tri- in that nation. Clinical trials are designed to find out what could be bad. And the people who are paid to volunteer themselves and their bodies quite literally on those clinical trials, sometimes have suffered the negative side effects. What happened here and who is this person? He described it. He is actually a volunteer. He heard about the trial going on and he said, sign me up. He heard positive things about it and he volunteered. And he said that once it was administered to him, he said that the side effects, he said like a pretty bad hangover. So if any of you have ever had one of those, that sort mm. of – and I would imagine – I mean, a hangover is sort of flu-like symptoms, right? Don't you feel kind of tired? Maybe you Lethargic, have an upset stomach. Maybe Lack of energy. Yeah. You feel yeah. like you got a headache. So uh, that is Sluggish. one – those are some of the symptoms that he described. That's being worked on right now. Also going on <laughs> – we haven't even settled 2020 yet. Well, this is what I was going to say. All these right? dopes are already. You mean Republican, prominent Republican political folk? I was going to say to you that in this vac, in this vacuum of uh, indecision, I know some folks are understand it to be decided but technically with the the nation with one candidate the president not conceding and joe biden going off with transition as being called vice president-elect there is a kind of a vacuum in there if you want to feel it you can feel it it does prevent right now prominent republican political people leaders from saying right now I'm up for the next round of running for president in four years, but I'm not really hearing Unless a whole lot of that. your little Marco, Marco Rubio. So bad, so bad. So now, bad. I mean, he's been, he's been fine, but he uh, has been asked about whether or not he would like to run in 2024. You know, he ran in 2016. He was part I of the do, primary process. Yes, I do recall. I think I, maybe you and I were the only ones who didn't run in 2016. <laughs> yeah, you and I. And I was going to say uh, that our producer – no, Katie actually did run. Katie what? Yeah. She did run. Kevin was only William, on the they all ran in, in 2016. Yeah. Katie did win Indiana, though. People don't. Yeah, know. Well, you know, she we call her the executioner. So uh, yeah. you know, if she if she runs, oh, then, she cracks the whip. Well, she's yeah, a, she. Oof, oof, oof. I know, and she's real fast on those. Oh yeah, <laughs> she'll turn your microphone off. <laughs> See, talk about she'll. <laughs> I don't even call her. And she lashes me. Sometimes. She does. I know. She interrupts. Oh, ah. no! Come on now, please. 
Marco Rubio will run, of course. Well, he says perhaps he will run. He leaves the door open. At least that's the headline from Fox News. He said that the GOP's future is based on multi-ethnic, multiracial, working class coalition. And by the way, I don't disagree with him on that. I think one of the main switches that you're going to see, and it's already started, and if Republicans continue down this path, it will continue to grow, is that we have finally figured out how to widen our umbrella a bit. We have started to take more people into the Republican Party. And there's almost a reversal of rules where the Republican Party has become the party of the working class and uh, the Democratic Party has become uh, sort of the white liberal elitists that are sort of giving power to this. So I think there is a lot of potential for women to run. We already saw the year of the woman for Republicans this year in Congress. I think bringing in multi-ethnic candidates is going to be a whole lot easier for Republicans in the coming year. So I agree with him on that. I just can we not take like a week to figure out at least who won this election before we start throwing start hats in the, the ring for one. the next one? By the way, I'm your lovable liberal. People say I don't want to be lovable because I'm honest. I think everybody, certainly if we're doing this, the information we pass along should honestly be the way we feel or if presented as facts should be that to the point you're making about. Republican President Trump progress in terms of non-white voters. Edison Research. I read this this morning. I think it's Wall Street Journal or uh, shifts demographically, according to Edison Research, with exit polling prove consequential. Uh, Joe Biden benefited from shifts demographically among some perennial swing voting groups like people in the middle. President Trump's gains among non-white voters in Florida Helped him hang on Florida to the battleground. Was huge for him with non-white voters. Actually. So this demographic shift they see in Florida and also in some other places is real for some Republican candidates. Marco Rubio, of course, uh, 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 being of Cuban descent, I believe his parents, his father was born in Cuba, mm-hmm. uh, has that appeal certainly in a, in a diverse state like Florida and in a more diverse America. But, but I think that's why we're seeing him more. You know, it's so so interesting. The, the people and look, I, I'm not saying anything bad about Marco Rubio. I don't. Think I think he was he was not the candidate for me in 2016. Not even I didn't even entertain it for a moment. But it's so bad. Mitch McConnell carries him around in a papoose. I mean, it's so (laughs) upsetting. But uh, I think there look, I would consider anybody when I look ahead to 2024. But I and I think that's why we're seeing him in so active in Georgia right now. We were talking earlier about a lot of attention being brought to the Georgia Senate race. Many Republicans who are kind of jockeying for that leadership position are in. Georgia right now fighting that fight to try to keep Republicans in charge of the Senate. Rubio was there yesterday. He was speaking and fighting for the Georgia seats. I think another person that we watch out for is Ted Cruz, who has continued to make himself a presence and almost, if you watch him, adopted the style of President Trump. And he is getting a little more loud. He's a, He's got a little more fight in him when he's sitting at the Senate Judiciary Committee hearings. You know that he is questioning someone because they are good, strong, tough questions. And he's making maybe a, a stronger play than he could have done a few years ago. And obviously, Ted Cruz, a senator from Texas, U.S. Senator and Marco Rubio from Florida, you mentioned them, and we have pretty good reason to believe they might want to run because they both did, as we understand. You know, we saw it, we watched it in 2016. And something I've heard for years about politics and political people, not that I've ever been one of them, but someone once said to me, anyone who runs for president ever, you can bet for the rest of their life they would still like to be president. I mean, it's a very oh, big sure. decision. You know, you know, they don't one run thing- and then suddenly decide they don't want that job for eight, 12 years down the line. What I bet, I mean, you have to already have, and I. It, 
doesn't matter who it is. You have to have a pretty healthy ego to think that you can be the person to save the free world, basically, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, I think. Be the leader for the country and that you'd be the one uniquely positioned. So anybody who wants to take that leap thinks that they can do it and uh, has that right. healthy ego. And if they didn't win, that ego, no matter what, is probably a little damaged. They'd like to prove that they could do it once and for all. So certainly those people that ran once, it's not unusual. Look at Biden. This is what, his third run at yeah, the presidency? Yeah, well, 88, 2000. And, eight, and, and by the way, real quick, Don Rumsfeld, former Secretary of State, said when former President Gerald Ford died, every U.S. senator, every congressman, they look in the mirror and they see a former president. That's right. <laughs> and he, he did say President Ford never did see that when he was a congressman. That was the reason he brought it up. Yep. All right. Some evidence pouring in from Rudy Giuliani. He is in Pennsylvania looking for evidence of voter fraud and presenting that evidence to the courts. He has an update for us as your Thursday morning answer continues.